theater has bounced back from everything, you know? They went yes. back to theater after the Black Plague. They all went back to theater after World War II. Every, every terrible thing that's happened on this planet, theater has survived. We have been doing it for so long and we're not going to give it up. <laughs> In Southern California, Disneyland and most love productions have shut down due to the pandemic. But if your entire career has been in live theater, how do you market yourself for a job off the stage? Hi, this is Diana Burnell O'Leary with another episode of Job Talk Weekly. Today we talk with Summer, a former stage manager, about how she can present her skills during the interview process. Let's jump in. We're talking with Summer in Southern California. Hey, Summer. Welcome to Job Talk Weekly. Hi there. It's nice to be with you today. Well, I really want to hear about your interests in nonprofit management. But first, tell us about what you were doing in 2020 before the pandemic hit. Yeah. So before the pandemic hit, I was actually working at the Disneyland Resort um, in our entertainment department there. I got the job about two years ago. And I worked there as a stage manager, an assistant stage manager, on a couple of our productions, um, Making the Magical Map and Five and Dime, as well as like seasonal offerings. Uh, and then in on March 13th, 2020, of course, Disneyland and much of the rest of the economy shut down overnight. And I was furloughed for about nine months before being unfortunately laid off with about 30,000 other employees at the end of October. Yeah, yeah, and weren't you doing stage management though also on your own, other working for other theater companies? Yeah, so I had slowed down on that a little bit because of Disney, Disney had picked up some, mm. um, but, but before that I was working pretty actively as a freelance stage manager as well. Uh, I did a few shows during my time at Disney and I really, I focused in a lot on doing what we call immersive or site-specific theater. So that was sort of my niche in the world. Wait, what's it called? Say that again. It's immersive and site-specific oh, theater. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so that's like Sleep No More in New York is probably the most famous example Got it. of that. So though it was a tough time, though, because you had your day job and then you had the freelance work that you had been doing before. So you couldn't rely on either the day job or the freelance work. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the freelance work in theater can be very exhausting. Yeah. Uh, you work a lot of late nights and you work a lot of 10 or 12 hour shifts. And when you're pairing that with a day job and a day job that can be as unpredictable and as demanding as Disney can be, it is really challenging. And of course, when things shut down, everything shut down. So it's like I went from being go, go, go all the time, really, since I was like, since I graduated college in 2016. That's what my life was like, um, working several jobs, always doing theater at night and on the weekends, down to just doing really almost nothing <laughs> once wow. the pandemic hit. That's got to be um, hard. It was. It was a really challenging adjustment for me. You know, I think we all placed a lot of value, a lot of our self-value in our work. And when you're really passionate about your work, like I was and am, that is even worse, right? So, so much of who I am, I really feel like is because of my work, is because of theater. So it was hard to lose that. 
Well, tell and us. And I can't a, even do it yeah. recreationally. Of course, I, I can't know. Even go see a play. <laughs> That's the thing is like when you have freelance jobs or side hustles, those are often things that we can rely on if our day job goes under. But here you have this extraordinary situation where the pandemic impacted both of those things. So you didn't have one to be able to offset the other. But you are still pursuing your master's degree. Tell us about the program at University of Denver. Yeah, so I started the program at University of Denver shortly before Disney shut down Mm -hmm. and got about one quarter done there. And now Mm -hmm. I'm more than halfway through. So I'm in a nonprofit leadership program there. It Mm -hmm. is all done online. And my emphasis is mission-driven operations and leadership. So a lot of my program is really focused on very practical elements like strategic planning, Mm. leadership skills, and all of that, while also pairing it with some of the community organizing elements of working in a nonprofit and just understanding the legal ramifications of working in a nonprofit and what are the finance side. So it's been a very comprehensive education for me so far. I'm in my eighth and ninth class of 12 right now. And I've also just felt really supported in the program. So that's been a nice, that's been a really nice thing in this time um, where as things have gone wrong or life has happened, my professors have been so supportive. When I lost my job at Disney, they had so many options to help me pay um, because it was an education benefit that Disney was paying for prior to that. Oh, yeah. So I was given, yeah. So University of Denver set up grants and all of that to help us pay, which has been to feel supported like that in this time is just like invaluable, you know? And I feel really lucky because my professors, all of them are working professionals in the field. Ooh, that's good. That's good. And I I will say that I've worked for enough arts companies to know that there are some savvy people in the business side. Um, There are also some very well-meaning and well-trained artists and musicians who have had zero training in business and can't read the balance sheet. So I'm glad to hear of a program like this and that you're taking advantage of it because that's what these organizations need to propel them forward, especially after what the pandemic has, has hit them. Yeah, and I think that's really why I wanted to get involved in this program in the first place is in my work, I have met so many people and been exposed to so many companies where the people just don't really know what they're doing. They have a lot of artistic passion and a lot of artistic vision a lot of the times, and they they know what kind of stories they want to tell, but they don't know how to fill out a grant application or even file for 501c3 status or talk to a donor, just any of the enormous responsibilities of trying to run a nonprofit organization they have no training in. So I wanted to be able to come in and fill that gap in the theater world after I finished my degree. Well, that's good. Well, that's good. And I hope we get there real soon because we need more people like you. And I I hope this doesn't discourage you too much. I mean, we were talking about how the pandemic and all the financial impact and the employment market has had such an impact on Gen Z and the young millennials. But it will bounce back and we don't know when that will be. So it's a matter of straddling this world, right? What can you do in the short term? And hopefully you still have that desire to continue in live theater down the road. Do you you think that's still there for you? Yeah, that's still what I want and where I see myself. So for me, a lot of it's just been about adjusting my expectations of what that timeline is going to look like. You know, 
I'm I'm 26, so I'm starting to feel like I'm at that age where I need to be getting on track or getting my life together or whatever it is, the quarter life crisis. (laughs) Um, So I'm trying to fight that, you know. But that's okay because here's what's happening. Well, first of all, the pandemic has had an impact on everyone. So all hiring managers, all recruiters are going to know that people are going to have gaps in their resume um, or what have you. But I think you also really sound like you have a good head on your shoulders because it's going to take a balancing act, you know, to figure out this short term plan for you, whatever that is for calendar 2021 and maybe even 22 as we wait for live theater to come back. So let's talk about this year. What's been your approach so far to finding a job and what's working and what's not working? Yeah, um, I've been spending a lot of time looking for work, entry-level nonprofit and development work just in various fields. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been really challenging, to be honest. I don't necessarily know what is working. Um, I've had very few interviews. Mm-hmm. And the ones that I have had haven't manifested in a job. You know? Yeah, though, I, I think that my interviews tend to go well. It just part of it is it feels like the bench is really deep right now. There's a lot of people looking for work. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people qualified for that kind of entry level work. And you know, the nonprofit industry used to be one of the fastest growing job markets or the fastest growing job market in the United States. And in 2020, with the pandemic and the um, the financial impact of that on nonprofits, uh, that really, really slowed down. Um, so that's been challenging. Uh, and I think a big part of the challenge, too, is it just feels like there's not that many entry level jobs out there right now. People are using their hiring monies to hire more like important positions. I don't want to say important because everyone's important, but, you know, more um, essential, more vital to the operation. So that's been challenging. Yeah. And I think you're right when it comes to the nonprofits, they have to be very selective. But I do still see some jobs out there. So it's good that you're getting called in for interviews. So something is working on some level, right, that you're getting called in. Are you using your network? Are you talking with people that you used to work with to see where they can help open the door for you? Yeah. um, And I've also been using my professors a lot, honestly. And that's been really helpful. That's been a huge resource for me. Um, it's challenging because I'm not really looking to relocate my life during a pandemic and most of them are Colorado based, but, Uh, um, there's a lot of people who are willing to do remote work for now as well too. So all of that are considerations, but uh, you know, I have been playing into my theater network, but I do feel like everyone I talk to is like, yeah, I lost my job too. Or like, yeah, I was, I was furloughed too. I'm still on furlough. So it's it's challenging. It feels like my whole network is in the same boat that I'm in. All the know? theater people. Yeah, I, I talked to yeah. a guy a couple months ago, and he was a waiter, and all his friends were waiters. And, you know, sure enough, there was like a Facebook group for waiters who lost their jobs in Chicago. I mean, the good thing is, is that there's a community for you out there, if there there is a silver lining there. So I think it is important, though, that you stay connected to those people. Because when live theater does come back, and it will, right, you want to be the first to know 
when those jobs are opening up. And you might do some volunteer work, you might do some unpaid production, but you really want to stay connected to your people in the theater world. So make sure that that group continues to expand. You know, I was on the website, the National Endowment for the Arts, in preparation for our conversation, and they have just dozens of resources and links to articles and groups. And so just make sure that you can use some of this downtime you have actually to build out those contacts because you want to be the first in line when some of those groups do come back. Right. I think that's really good advice, too, because, you know, as much as we meet a lot of people in theater and you do most of your networking, most of your jobs come from meeting people. Yeah. It also is such a um, temporary, like a ethereal nature to it as well, where you only work with people for six or 10 weeks, maybe 12 before you all move on. So sometimes I think it's not in our community to stay as connected because we've all already moved on to the next gig three weeks later. Oh, isn't that interesting? So you are kind of transient like, yeah, I see. I see. So, but But digitally, it's still still small. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of digital connection and it is still a small network. So even though you move on three weeks later, there might be someone from your last project or the project before that who's back in this other one. Good, good. So when you and I hang up the phone, I'll take a look at your resume and we'll have some tweaks there. But I would continue to use that network based on who you used to work with and your college. I mean, you've only been out of college for barely four years, maybe almost five. But still, have you gone back to the university's alumni career services? Because I know they're definitely all the universities are definitely extending career services for their young alumni. You know, I haven't been great about using a lot of USC's networks, to be honest. I think um, that's where my undergraduate is from. It's from the University of Southern California and the School of Dramatic Arts there. I did briefly go back and work at the school for a while, um, Mm. doing some stage management as an alumni. And I think USC works really hard to keep their alumni involved. And I don't know why I've been resistant to some of those resources, I guess. I think it's like a little bit of, I don't like PTSD almost, like don't <laughs> take me back there. <laughs> like, I don't want to go back on USC's website, but of course it's so, they're so good about that. <laughs> yeah, but think of the career services side. So you were in a particular school, you were in the School of Dramatic Arts, the theater school, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's the whole other just alumni career services side. And they are offering a lot of opportunities for people to connect. And it's a great time to network because people are so open to connecting online and having conversations when they do have some downtime. And let me tell you, you are part of one of the universities in this country that is so connected. USC Trojans, they love helping one another. You know that. I know we know this. So um, (laughs) I think you should rely on that a little bit more. I think you should spend some time there because they're going to have some terrific free resources for you. And then it's just a matter of trying to hone in on, okay, how can I find a job now and sort of mentally prepare yourself that you might be taking a job that it's not your ideal. It might not be the end all be all, but it's a fulfilling job. It gives you the flexibility you need to finish your grad program. You know, you're really close to that. So finish Mm -hmm. that. Um, But that's something that gets you through the next year or two, because that's really what we don't know how long this is going to last. So you've got to give yourself enough flexibility to get through sort of the next phase of whatever is happening, um, but keep yourself productive and keep yourself in the, in the marketplace. Right. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I am, I'm definitely trying to remain positive and remain optimistic on all of those things. And 
I feel like there's so many jobs that aren't in theater that can still advance me professionally. And, you know, any job is partially what you put into it, you'll get out of it. And what you want to get out of it, you'll get out of it. But one of the things that's been challenging about that is just sort of maintaining optimism during this time. Because, you know, I I had some issues with my job, but all in all, it was like a dream job. You know, I was working at Disneyland, I was working in my field, I had health benefits yeah. while still working in theater. Yeah. So for that phase of my life, it really was like a, a dream come true opportunity. So losing it was so challenging. And now facing this job market of feeling like I'm not going to find a job right away that I love as much as that one. Um, it's just discouraging. And I'm having a lot of some trouble, honestly, where some days it's like I can get on the computer and I can apply to three or four jobs. And other days I start looking through them and I just feel so bummed out. Yeah, it's overwhelming. So let's talk about that because you're in the same boat as a lot of other people um, because the employment numbers are not great. And especially you did have a job, like you said, in theater that was paying and providing benefits and that was a lot of fun. So give yourself permission to know that you're going to have a job that's okay. That's fine. You might be lucky, Summer. You might find a job that you end up really loving. But it's okay to say, you know what, I'm going to take a job that gets me out of the pandemic. It's your transitional job. It's like a bad breakup, right? When you've got this long-term boyfriend (laughs) that you've had and it's hard to date someone new, you just need a transitional person. Okay, so you need a transitional job. But what are the things that you can do to keep yourself lifted? You know, are you talking to your friends? Are you some how are you communicating to keep your spirits up? Because that is very real and very important right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am. I am talking to my friends. And I feel fortunate that in some ways, like losing our jobs together has brought me closer to some of my friends from Disney, Mm -hmm. um, who I just feel so lucky to know. I moved I, when I started my graduate program at Disney, because I knew I would be taking um, less freelance work or no freelance work while I worked on that, I did move back in with my parents. So that was sort of fortunate that that happened in January of 2020. And then in March of 2020, we everything shut down. Yeah. So I feel very supported by them in just always. So that is nice. And I think for me, it's also about trying to find time to do things that I enjoy, even if they're not my favorite things, because I am an extreme extrovert. I love, you know, all of my recreational activity is about being with other people. Yeah. Really. Oh, yeah. Um, I hear you. I hear you. So, so yeah, what are those things? Yeah. Tell me those things that you can do and maybe some of the things that you've been meaning to do, but for some reason, you just haven't haven't gotten out in there yet. I want to be better. I think about FaceTiming with my friends more regularly. We were much better about it in the beginning of the pandemic, but it's yeah. like as it wears on, it gets a little exhausting. Yeah, it got old, um, sure. But it's nice, I think, to have something like that that's even regular because mm-hmm. it helps. Like if you schedule it, you can look forward to it as well. Absolutely, that's what we've been telling people. Yes, indeed. You schedule something maybe every other Friday. I know it was funny because we were all sort of Zooming in the beginning when we thought it was such a novelty. We're like, oh, isn't this fun? I can connect with my friends uh, in Arizona and not have to leave the house. And then after you start doing it for a while and you realize that's how you're working, then you get kind of sick of it. But we need to come back 
and the second wave. Okay, so we sort of have to find the energy, which is so hard, but you've got to re-energize yourself, especially an extrovert. That's how you get energy. I know it because I'm an extrovert too. So you've got to force yourself to connect with your friends. And even if you're not in the mood to do it, let's say today you and I are talking on a Saturday, you don't feel like doing it right now, that's okay. Text a friend and say, hey, next Thursday, let's talk. Like give yourself some time, but get it out there, get it on the books, because that's the way that the extroverts are going to get through this is through finding their energy with other people. And you do have a lot of people around you who are also unemployed. And it's good that you can relate to the same experience. But are you also connecting with some friends who are employed because they will have a different perspective for you? And it'll be good for you to connect with other people who are still working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. You know, one of my closest friends who was my roommate before I moved, she is still working and has been working through the pandemic. Uh, and she is an EMT. Oh, so wow. that's kind of, yeah, which has been exhausting for her in a lot of ways. But also, she feels very useful, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I try to talk to her a lot because I think she also needs that. She also needs a little break from that sometimes. Yeah, you both need each other. And, you know, you yeah. it's funny because you both have different things to be grateful for. Yeah. You know, she's she's got a job, but she's also sort of on the she is on the front lines. So that's tough. And so you have your family, you know, and you have this graduate program that's keeping you occupied and is keeping you energized to something you love. So you've got to you've got to force yourself to get out there. I know it's hard. It's easier said than done. Um, But do take the time to connect with other people, both who are looking for work and who have jobs. That way you can just stay connected to what's happening and, and give yourself some time to not think about it you know that is the hardest part of trying to figure out how much time to spend looking for a job versus spending time chilling and relaxing with friends and not thinking about it because if you do make it a 10 hour a day job of job searching and you do that every day you're going to get exhausted and drained and you're not going to feel really good about the results so you've got to give yourself some breaks in between Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's something that I really want to be better at with my graduate school cohort as well. Um, You know, because we're in this online program, we really don't know each other that well. And yet there are people I've been in the program with who have been in almost every single one of my classes or in a class, at least one class every quarter. And I feel like I know them, even though I don't really know anything about them. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, um, let's so, so let's start there. Plugging into them as well. Yeah. Yeah, and look at you guys are all going through the same thing. You have a purpose, right? You want to work for mission-based arts institutions, and that is a common bond that you you all have and you're going through it during the pandemic. So, I would throw out a few opportunities for people to hang out online and just throw out like an optional happy hour, a Zoom call, and see who participates. And you guys can all learn from each other. And that way, again, you're still connected to your purpose and you're supporting each other in a way that only you guys know how. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that would be very helpful. Um, And it's something I've been thinking about lately with just and not really just haven't done, you know, (laughs) you know, how it goes sometimes. Um, But yeah, that's an important goal, I think. 
And you do have to balance out the news that you're going to hear, right? Because especially with the theater world, I mean, it's right up there with restaurants and hospitality that has been tremendously hit. But some restaurants are still operating because people are doing takeout Mm -hmm. and that's fine, whereas theater has been wiped out. So I think it would be real easy for people to get depressed, quite frankly. You know, we've seen a lot of articles about that. And there's a lot of people writing about what's happening to theater. But don't forget, nobody really knows. You're going to have all these journalists and pundits saying, well, what's happening in the theater industry? And we don't know yet. So you have to hold on to that optimism. You know, Don't be naive, but just know that live theater will come back. You know, the show will go on, right? I mean, that's what you guys right. are famous for. So you, of course. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe it's taken us 20 minutes to get to that. Um, that's where we <laughs> should start because, you know, we're not going to have a world in which there's no live theater. That just doesn't happen. You know, we've had it for centuries and we will have it. And mm-hmm. think about it. People are going to be flocking to live get-togethers. Oh, my God. I'll go watch Sesame Street. I don't care. I'm just going to be so dying to leave the house and sit with other people when we can. So when things come back, there's going to be a lot of activity. So you still want to be really attached to the movers and shakers and the people who know when productions are starting. Okay? So don't lose that. Don't lose that buzz because, again... You're someone in the art field who has the business background, and that is rare. And so you have a good head on your shoulders. So you want to just bundle that all together with the right mindset where you sort of straddle these both worlds. Like, okay, I'm going to get a job now, but I still want to pursue and finish that degree and get back into live theater as soon as it comes back. Right. Yeah. And I think that's it's so important to remember that because theater has bounced back from everything, you know? They went yes. back to theater after the Black Plague. They all went back to theater after World War II. Every, every terrible thing that's happened on this planet, theater has survived. You know, we have we have been doing it for so long, and we're not going to give it up, you know? No, no, um, and there's plenty of people who won't let you give it up either. And don't discount yeah. the stage management experience and how transferable that is now. It's good that you're looking at nonprofit jobs, but we're going to take a look back at your resumes too, because the stage manager has so many transferable skills. You know, you manage Mm -hmm. people, you solve problems, you stick to a budget, you know, you oversee a timeline. That can apply to a lot of different jobs. So I think for a lot of people, it's a matter of making sure they take a step back and look at those transferable skills and make sure that those things are front and center on your resume. That way you can start applying maybe for a broader range of jobs that you haven't even thought of. Right. Yeah, I think that's something that I've definitely been struggling with in my job search is that I know the skills that I have and I know that they're transferable and valid to so many different jobs and that it's a rich administrative experience. But I feel like when I'm trying to explain that to someone in a cover letter or an interview, um, I really struggle, especially if they are not in the arts world and they don't really know anything about theater because there is that sense of like, oh, I was a stage manager. And people go, oh, okay, what does that mean? You know? <laughs> so it's like starting at ground zero. Yeah, but we can work on that. And we can come up with language. And you want to come up with language for your resume that, again, talks about things that can happen anywhere. Managing people, managing a timeline, that doesn't just happen on the stage, right? So we're going to look at the language for your resume and your LinkedIn profile. Are you on LinkedIn, Summer? I have to be honest. Uh, I think I have a LinkedIn profile, but I have not done much to it. And Would it's you, one of those things I yeah. put on my to-do list every two weeks. I'm like, look at your LinkedIn profile. And then I just 
it goes to the end of their to-do list. Ah, okay. All right. So, you know, so that's a way of saying, no, you're not on LinkedIn. Uh, because no, you have to I use think it. I have one. But yeah, <laughs> but you have to use it for people to notice it. So we're actually going to have a career expert in a couple of weeks talk about the LinkedIn profile and how to really beef it up to make sure that mm-hmm. people are noticing you. But what you want to do is just make sure that you're you have the right language in your communications, which is your resume and your LinkedIn profile. And then we want to give you that language in the re- in the interview, in the conversation, in the phone screen. And you're going to have to practice that a lot, you know. And mm-hmm. so there are there are tips you can do of just really practicing transferring this language of what you did on stage. It's almost as if you could say, here's what I did. And don't mention the stage. Don't mention that it right. was Disney. Don't mention that it was theater. Talk about what you did and take out the theater piece. And just say, I managed people, I hired people, I fired people, um, you know, I, you know, I managed catering. <laughs> I mediated conflict. Oh, my God, did you ever, you worked with talent, trust me, I get it, you know, um, you, uh, you, you negotiated contracts. I mean, think of all the things that you did. And those are things that a lot of different jobs are going to need. So, again, we're going to have to position it on your materials and then also practice in the language when you have these phone screens. And then give yourself the confidence, too. I mean, I, I, I hear it that you have it, but I feel like you need to practice that confidence, too. That way it comes across. Yeah, I think it would be good for me to figure out how to talk about it without talking so much about theater because I do think um, I'm really passionate about it. And I think that comes through when people talk to me. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of get this response of like, okay, well, so when theaters open up again, aren't you just going to leave if I give you this job? Or if Disney opens up again and offers you your job back, aren't you just going to leave? Um, yeah. And what which sometimes said? I don't always know to respond to that. I will yeah. often say like, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, not if I'm happy, not, not if things are working now. I would have no reason to. I think being passionate about theater doesn't make me any more likely to leave a different job in, in a year, in the first year or so than anybody else, because partially I don't, I don't think there's going to be a job for me in the next year or so in theater, you know? Yeah. I think what you could say to those people who are asking, you know, somewhat a valid question, but you could say, look, it's going to take, it's going to take two years for theater to come back. And even once theater does come back, I'll probably do some freelance or some weekends. But really what I'm looking for now is, and that's where you do the pivot. And I think that Mm -hmm. is what we do when we get an interview question where we're a little awkward, right? Where we're not crazy about the answer. So you acknowledge them. You don't want to blow them off. You want to say, well, certainly theater's always been my passion, but there are plenty of ways for me to do that. And it's going to take so long for live theater to come back again, that right now what I'm looking for is a place where I can apply my skills, a place where I can be challenged and contribute. And that's why I'm so excited about this job, because, and then you tell them why you're so great, and you're going to do so many great things for them that they will forgotten what they asked you to begin with. Right. That's great advice. Thank you. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, we've just got to get you some more practice in these these questions. And that you know what? That's a great... Seriously, that is a great thing for you and your classmates to do is to practice interviewing each other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny. I feel like, so I graduated in 2016. I freelanced for a long time. And yeah. while I was freelancing, I worked at a coffee bean. Yeah. So I interviewed at my coffee bean in 2016. Yeah. And then I didn't really interview for most of my freelance work because it came from people I had worked from before or mm-hmm. from recommendations. Mm-hmm. So I would have casual interviews sometimes just to make sure we'd click, but not formal, really. Ah. And then I formally interviewed at Disney, and there's been maybe two or three other interviews. 
yes. that were more formal along the way. So it's it's not something that I'm used to at all. Yeah, yeah. And you had almost 100% uh, success rate going in, right? Before all these <laughs> yeah, other exactly. opportunities. So yeah, so that's got to be a tough thing for you to say, well, wait a minute, why aren't, why aren't I getting these jobs? I'm used to talking to people and getting jobs. So you need some more practice. And I think that's where your other classmates really can come in uh, because they're going through the same thing. And definitely practice, practice on some of those stretch jobs. And I think that's also where applying to a wider range of jobs might help you. You need a little bit of interview experience, and that might be a lot of phone screening. You know, people are going to call you and set up the phone call. They'll set up the Zoom call before you have like a, a real, you know, interview with two or three different people at the company. But you got to get that under your belt. Again, it's like dating. You know, when we've dated someone for a long time, it can feel kind of awkward dating someone new, but you just got to, you know, go out for coffee with someone and get it over with. That's the other thing I'm terrible at is dating. So that's- oh, well, that, that's a whole different podcast. I cannot help you there. I've been married for too long. I would not know where to begin. Thank God. I don't know where to begin either. So. No. Well, I'm sure there are, there are people meeting during the pandemic. Um, there's got to be, isn't there like a community group online for Disney people who have been let go? I mean, there's thousands of them. Yeah, there's several. There's a lot of, um, I'm actually in one that, is mostly focused on um, helping people who have been laid off or furloughed mm-hmm. exercise their side gigs. So mm-hmm. people, if they make extra glass or mm-hmm. they were a candy maker at Disney and now they make candy at home, that they're advertising those skills to others and then others are, are purchasing from them. And I've oh, seen a lot nice. of people have great success. Yeah. And it makes me look at it and just be like, man, I wish I knew a more marketable skill like that like why didn't I learn the knit (laughs) see but that's just it okay theirs is a tangible skill of a product they can sell on the spot you have other skills we just have to figure out how to market those I mean you are a manager you event manage you production manage you timeline manage you up you know you oversee people, like you said, those definitely are transferable skills. The tough thing is that so much of your management experience is in person. It's management of Mm -hmm. people, right, on stage. So we've got to figure out how can we get that management experience online? You know, is there some remote work that you can be doing about managing projects online? I mean, a project manager job might be something that you take on because that's exactly what you did. You used to manage projects on the stage. Now you just got to figure out how to do it virtually. And those are definitely one of the like job titles that I am looking at when I'm doing a job search is I'm looking for, um, you know, in the, in the nonprofit world, it tends to go under the name of program manager instead of oh, project manager. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, so that's a lot of what I'm looking for, but I'm also trying not to exclusively limit myself to nonprofit because like you said, I need mm-hmm. a transitional job, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, so I do see some program manager jobs that I apply for um, when I can. And it, sometimes it's frustrating because you feel like these people are looking for an entry-level position or they're paying an entry-level salary, but they want some sort of very specific experience or they want a couple years of experience. Um, and for me, it's about being able to say, I don't have three years of project management experience per se, but what I do have is three years of, of stage management experience and it's not that different. <laughs> yeah, you do. I will I will correct you, Summer. You do have three years of project management experience. You were just doing it on the stage. <laughs> so again, we've got yeah. to practice and we've got to get you more confident in talking the language 
right? I, I think that's going right. to be an important part for you to get yourself out there. And then really using your connections. Because when people are making a career shift, you know, they're changing jobs, often the way they do get in is through their network. Because it's so much easier to explain, you know, so-and-so was out of the workforce for a while, or, you know, she's transitioning jobs, but she's really terrific, and I can vouch for her, and she's someone you should just talk to. That's all you need is someone to help you open that door. Then those jobs will start, uh, come a little easier to you, and you'll be able to interview for them because you've passed that first level of introduction that someone gave you a referral. So you're really going to rely heavily on your network. And even if you don't think you know anyone in some of these jobs, ask the network that you do have, who do they know that can help you open the door someplace? Right. And I think that's especially applicable to the nonprofit world, because a lot of times, you know, you have one job description, but if you go look at it, the person maybe is a program manager or associate program manager, but they're really also responsible for the whole budget. So they're really also functioning as an accountant in some ways. Yeah. Or they're really also a fundraiser for their program, even though they don't have a title of fundraiser. So that's something that I think is perhaps a good way to get in, to be like, I have these skills and also have experience doing this other subset of the job that you might not find someone who has experience doing. Oh, yeah. And see, now you're talking. Now you're talking. You're, you're putting forward the other skills that are going to be like a bonus, right? Um, but that's where some of these conversations are going to come in handy. Anything else on your mind? No, I think those are the big ones for me. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Good luck, Summer. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to Job Talk Weekly. If you like the podcast, and we hope you do, the best thing you can do is to subscribe and forward it to your friends. We'd love to hear what you think. So please rate and review us or send us a quick email to info at jobtalkweekly.com. See you next time.